thank you for being here today, and I'm just really grateful to be here. I, I can tell that you are a very loving church. I love the way I was greeted without people knowing who I was or anything, just came up and met me. I love the attitude of your shepherds who uh, greeted me with warm affection and attention, and I appreciate that. I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 30, either in your Bible or your phone or whatever you happen to have available. I'd like to do a reading here. And the topic today is listening. And you're going to wonder where in the world listening fits into this lesson. And you know, I'm glad to be here for the first time. And uh, after I get through today, it may be the last time you invite me to come back. But it's a pleasure to be here. I was sent by, I really wasn't sent by Southern Hills. I was already in San Antonio uh, on my own, supporting myself uh, after we left Brenham, Texas. And uh, we started house churches. And uh, it was a novel thing for me. It wasn't really that novel for me in the, in the it, it was novel in the U.S., but it wasn't novel for me as a missionary because uh, most of our church meetings were held in homes. And so it seemed natural to me after reading again through the scripture that house churches were just a natural, it's the greatest unused missionary effort in the world is the home. What a place, what a novel idea to think to minister from your home through uh, welcoming people into your home and, and sharing Jesus with them and just loving them. What a novel idea that is. That the Lord Jesus, the living Jesus, has taken up residence in your home because you're there. And that you could bring people in and you gather around the table to eat. And then you talk about Christ. You talk about the Bible. And you just share warmth and love with each other. I love that. I love what I'm doing in, in San Antonio. Patty and I have been doing this for 11 years. And uh, we don't plan on stopping Exodus chapter 33. Did I say 30? It's 33. Verse 7. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance, while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped each at the entrance to his tent. Listen to this. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Now I want you to turn over to John chapter 15. This is verse 15. John 15 and verse 15. I hope this has as much meaning to you as it does to me. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. Father, it is a privilege for us to be here today. 
Don't let me waste people's time. I pray that you will make yourself so clearly known to us today that there will be born in each one of us a longing to know you intimately, personally, to learn to have the kind of fellowship with you that you always wanted, the kind of love for you that Jesus had with you. And so we pray today, Father, that you will open our hearts, make us sensitive, make us aware of your presence in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, Amen. Listening is one of those most difficult things for anybody. Somebody once said that's the reason that God gave you two ears and one mouth, so you listen twice as much as you speak. And for preachers, that's especially difficult to do. But I'm telling you that if you want to know God, you're going to have to start doing some serious listening. Not to me, but to God. And you say, well, well, God speaks through the Bible. Well, of course he does. But it's never been the only way he spoke. If you'll remember, it doesn't take a lot of skill for God to have a donkey talk to a prophet who has gone out of his way to curse Israel. You'll remember that he takes a man who feels like he can't speak, he stutters or something in his speech, and, and he calls him to deliver and to face Pharaoh and deliver Israel out of Egypt. So listening is a big part of this. But what does listening produce? It does this. Friendship. Can you imagine God looking down to, at you and, and telling somebody else, hey, there's my friend. She's my friend. She's my friend. Can you imagine God saying that about you? And you think, well, of course not. He, he said that about Moses. And he might have said that about one other person in the Bible, but, but really that's not God's intention is to be a friend. But he said it to 12 men here. Would you like to be his friend? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you love to think that you could just have a conversation with him anytime you wanted and that he would actually respond to you? Speak to you? Don't worry. I'm not trying to get you to speak in tongues. Just relax. I'm trying to get you to listen to the voice of God, whether it comes through the Scripture or whether it comes through a heart that's been educated by the Scripture and God speaks to you directly in your heart and it gives you the impressions sometimes that you need to work on. And unless you develop that kind of friendship with God, it'll never happen. So what do you need for a friendship? You need to be able to have a conversation with him. You know, the only, one of the few times that the apostles said, teach us to do something, he said, teach us to pray. They had observed Jesus praying and they thought there's something about his prayer life that leads to this unbelievable power of teaching the masses and always getting to the point, right to the point, and see, being able to see people as they are and love them where they're at. And it seemed to be that when he'd come back down from that mountain or wherever he went to pray, that something different happened. It wasn't just at the Mount of Transfiguration that they saw a difference. They saw the difference when he came back down and said, everybody's looking for you, they said. And he said, well, let's go to other places, but that's why I was sent. He had a real... Good crowd there, but he left it to go somewhere else. I remember reading a story about a, a fellow that made a, he dialed a wrong number. And he heard the following recording. 
I'm not available right now. But I thank you for caring enough to call. I'm making some changes in my life. Please leave a message after the beep. If, it, I, if I do not return your call, you're one of the changes. <laughs> I want you to know that God will never leave you hanging. He doesn't do, he doesn't do that. If God is always silent in your prayer life, maybe you're not listening. Maybe you're not listening. Because I know for a fact, the first time I, I understood the voice of God and heard the voice of God was the day that I repented and realized that he was calling me to something far more important than what I had dreams of doing as a young man of 22 years old. He was asking me to deny myself, take up the cross, and follow him. And I had no idea what that meant. And I was reading my Bible, and I read in this passage in Colossians 1 and verse 27, the secret is this in the Phillips translation. The secret is this, Jesus Christ in you, bringing with him all the hope of the glorious things to come. And Christ was not in me. I thought he was. I thought I'd done all the right things. Physically, I had. But I didn't understand that he only comes in as Lord and not just as a Savior. And when he comes in as Lord, he comes to be your friend. But he's still the Lord. And so, if you're going to have a friendship with God, you're going to have to talk to him. Regularly, repeatedly, and sometimes extendedly. What else is involved? You know, these days with texting and everything, we've, we've gotten away from the face-to-face -face friendships. If we're not real careful, well, you know, when the telephone came, that was, that was better than not, not being able to talk to somebody at all. I mean, then we got so good we could put the picture on the phone. And then we got to where we didn't have enough time for all these people. And so we started texting to keep the conversation short. And pretty soon, we're sending these little images on there to respond. We could, you know, the likes people put on there. I'm going, what, what in the world's happening to us? What happened to the intimacy? What happens to the intimacy that we're supposed to have with God that has been there, his desire from the very beginning, that he had with Adam and Eve until they blew it? And he did everything to restore it. But some of us just don't want it. We're scared. We're scared of what that might mean if I get that close to God and I begin to hear his voice and, and know what he's calling me to. I'm going to have to change jobs. I'm going to have to move. I'm going to have to choose something vastly different than what I thought for my life. I'm going to have to be more generous. I'm going to have to be more hospitable. I'm going to have to be this and that and all these things we're really afraid of. And so we don't ever yield to God. Because being face-to-face -face with him transforms people. It changes people. Do you remember that's that story about Moses going into the tent? You remember what he did when he came out of the tent? He put a veil over his face. Why did he do that? Because his face was just shining. Because he'd been in the presence of God. And after a while, it would fade. And he'd go back in the tent 
His face would start shining again as he conversed with God. And God conversed with him. And he's kind of face-to-face, -face, not, not literally seeing everything about God, for God is spirit. But he's, he's talking to him intimately as a friend. And somehow that transformed Moses' physical appearance. Years later, on the mount, Jesus takes three of his disciples with him. And the Bible says he's praying. And as he's praying, his face began to shine. He began to glow. And, and, and his garments were whiter than any launderer could ever make them. You're saying, what, what is going on here? And these three are watching this. And they're getting a little excited. And, you know, Peter says some dumb stuff. And he, once again, he said some dumb things. But, but the point I'm making here is that his garments are shining white. Whiter than any launderer could make him. What's, what does that tell you? That the glory that Jesus, that the apostles were seeing at that point, the glory they were seeing was Jesus shining right through his clothes. It was inside of him. He was God in the flesh. And he just gave him a little taste of the glory that he had. That wasn't for Jesus' sake. That was for those three men. And he tells them, don't tell anybody about this, okay? Till later. I don't know about you, but if you've never been transformed in a conversation with God, I don't know who you're talking to. I don't know how you can go to God and say, God, give me this, give me that. Please heal me of this disease and please do this and that. And, and not say somewhere in there, Lord, bless you for being who you are. I worship you. I love you. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth just like it is in heaven. What kind of prayers are we praying? God wants a face-to-face -face contact. Jesus told some men who were very studied in scriptures, you, you study the scriptures. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have life, but you won't come to me. For Bible-believing people like us, it's important to see God in the Scripture. It's important to let Him speak to us because everything in the Scripture doesn't tell us everything we need to know. Sometimes we need to know what job to take. Sometimes we need to know what person to marry. Sometimes we need to know, what do I do next? And, and if you're not willing to ask God for guidance... If you think God is just up there waiting for you, he gives you all these good choices, you know, that are not forbidden by the Bible, and he doesn't care about which one you choose. Who told you that? Who told you that? I was taught that by someone, but it wasn't from the Bible. God wants to guide you. He wants to lead you. And the passage a young man read just before, my sheep hear my voice. And if you're not one of his, you won't hear him. My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. He's speaking to us. He's speaking maybe to some of you right now. Face to face. So we not only need to have conversations with God, we need to have this intimacy with him, face to face encounters with God. And then we need to trust. Trust is necessary between friends. Would you agree with that? You can't be friends with somebody you cannot trust. Ever trusted, always doing something out, outlandish. You know, you need somebody that's steady, that trusts you and loves you in the bad and the good. Trust. But did you know that God trusts you? 
He trusts you. He expects things out of you and me. He wants you to have himself take the lead. He wants you to surrender your life. He wants you to yield to him. Not just once in a while, not just when you're in church, not just when you're taking communion, not just when you pray, not just when you read your Bible. He wants your life. Is that too much? Unless you deny yourself, the Bible says you can't even be a disciple. It's not that you can't be a missionary, a preacher, or an elder, or, or a deacon. You can't be his disciple. Deny yourself means to deny yourself. It doesn't mean deny your food, deny your money, deny your house, deny your, uh, your job. It says deny yourself. Get self off the throne once and for all. And don't look back. Don't ever look back. Just keep going forward because the life that you will lead will be so different than the one you've led up to now if that's the case, that you've never yielded to him. Can he be trusted? I remember that night, some almost 50 years ago, when the Lord Christ in you, I knew he wasn't there because I was still on the throne. And I understood that what he wanted for me was to trust him enough to yield. And when I took a second look at the cross of Christ, I said, any God, any God that would do that for me won't hurt me. Oh, he'll hurt me, but he won't really hurt me. All the hurts will be like a surgeon taking a scalpel to remove something that's, that's bad for you. And then last, we got to listen. A great musician, Beethoven, at the age of 26, was deaf. Did you know that? Beethoven was deaf at age 26. And then you know he still wrote some incredible pieces after that? How did he do it when he couldn't even hear? He did it by the sensations that he had on inside of him, the, the training he'd had, and the voices and the, the hearing he had before he lost it. He was able to write some majestic pieces after that. And sometimes I feel like we've got to learn to grow deaf to the world and learn to listen to God. You're going to have to find some quiet places to do that because the world is loud. It'll occupy every moment of your time. <laughs> Two psychiatrists met at the 20-year college reunion. One of them is this vibrant, young-looking, energetic, just pumped. The other one's haggard, just old-looking, and just he's barely getting along life. He was anxious and upset. And the guy, he says, I need to know your secret. How in the world do you look like that? I said, all day long, every day, I got to listen to people's problems and their complaints all day long, every day. And it's worn me out. It made me into an old man. What's your secret? The other one says, so who's listening? <laughs> you know, you would have thought that a psychiatrist, that was his job, but sometimes you grow deaf to things that are difficult to hear. Listening to God will never be painful. It will always help you to rise higher. 
I don't know about you, but one of the things that's necessary if you want to have this kind of relationship with God is humility. If you're not humble enough to be led by God, if you're not humble enough to listen to somebody else who may be, may be wiser than you, older than you, knows God better than you and I do, you've got a room full of them here. Learn to listen by being humble. Humble people, God raises it up. The proud he lowers, he has to. Because you can't get in the kingdom with pride. Humility grows well, it wears well in anybody. I'm going to close in the prayer and then I want to mention one, one more last thing. Would you pray with me, please? Father, I hope, I hope you're pleased. I hope that you'll use my words to light a fire in us. The kind of fire that Jesus said, I've come to cast fire on the earth. And how eager I am until it's kindled. That fires your Holy Spirit living in each one of us with the power to transform us, to renew us, to completely alter our character. And I pray that you'll do that for us today. Use the words any way you choose. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If anybody has a need uh, for some prayers about any particular thing, some elders will be up here in front. You can just come to the front, or some others will be at the back. You're welcome to do that while we stand.